The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. back for another episode of the Salumas podcast this is Kalu and this is Chris and uh got a few things that I want to talk about but first of all I just want to know how your you know how your week has been how the vacation was because you weren't here on the last episode so fill me in well uh the vacation was good I drove a uh 2002 Chevy Silverado V8 single cab from Bowling Green Kentucky down to uh Destin all through the night Relay. That sounds like I thought I hit a bug, it. like a big ass bug in rural Alabama. It was not a bug. It was a bat, and it was up you underneath. Hit a bat. Yeah, and I didn't know that it was Damn. a bat until I I had to give somebody a jump at work the other day, and I popped yeah. my hood, and it was this fried ass little bat with his little pimp fur coat on <laughs> up coat. underneath, and he was adhered <laughs> to the serious? undercarriage of my vehicle. Yeah, whenever I I popped the hood, but yeah, I remember when I encountered this individual i was just like that had to have been the biggest bug ever but it was like one o'clock in the morning and shit so i was yeah. you know i'm like well i'm still on the road <laughs> holy crap but i just yeah, the way that, that you described dope. your the drive i just assumed that you're like driving down with like a cutoff shirt and there's like sweet home alabama playing in no, your car no. and you're just like i'm going down to in my no. Silverado V8 single cam. No, the, the thing is, is that there's, like, when you're driving a vehicle like that, there's no uh, not paying attention. <laughs> oh, really? Well, like, my old vehicle, which is more modern, I guess you yeah. could say, and not as trucky, like, you can mm-hmm. just roll down the motherfucking highway and be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, adjust the track. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can't do that. The you trucking have to pay truck. to yeah, to every fucking thing. So I'm like 10 and 2 the whole yeah. motherfucking time. <laughs> And I bet you were sore when you got off the road. Yeah, like I like I had done isometrics or some shit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the vacation was dope. This That's week cool. has been uh, uh, eventful, stressful, nice. but you eventful know, in a thinking. good way or. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. I've been busy making money and yeah. working and shit, but uh, That's you know, good, good, good. Uh, I've had a, I guess, a, an interesting uh, week or so. Um, I'm glad to say that I've kind of found my groove again at work. Um, I've been on like a like a multi month funk, man, where I just like I can get stuff done, but I just don't. It's just not there. My heart's not in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't want to say like my heart's like in it or something like that, but it's like I'm just more focused. You know what I'm saying? Um, my heart, it's no, it's not really like in work anymore it's just like making sure that i can take care of my family you know what i'm saying and and i think that as we get older that's kind of a point where a lot of us kind of get where and i don't know if it's a good thing where I, it's just like get shit done here so i can be good and effective and fun and all that kind of stuff when i get out of work you know so it's been good going and um like uh you know obviously i coach youth football so it's cool getting to connect with the kids. Like I look forward to that stuff. Like every day I have practice or we have a game or something like that. And uh, it's just awesome being able to work with them. But uh, again, I, I have, I found whatever it is that's gotten me to be a lot more productive and more focused when I go to work. Uh, and I guess having that focus allows me to really enjoy things outside of work. Now, I think that's kind of where, my disconnect has kind of been, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I understand. And and I've been having a rough time trying to recalibrate and find that balance and shit yeah. again because I hadn't been hitting the gym like I'm supposed to. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, th- I, I know that's an essential part of the equation, mm-hmm. my wellness equation. I know Absolutely. that's an essential fucking part of it. But, you know, I, I've been going through the same shit, man. But it could be uh, – any number of things. I mean, it's yeah. it's just a culmination of a lot of shit we got going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I made a big boy purchase, you know, a little bit ago. I just uh, bought a new car. Um, thought that was kind of that was kind of cool. Um, 
I will say that that is also a motivating factor to get me to want to execute more and do a lot more. You see what I mean? Like when one of the things I was talking to my wife about was that like I have the things that I had in life, like I can just get by and just like be, I can just sort of coast, you know, and I, I don't like coasting. So it's like a tangible representation of the chase. Yes. That's exactly what it is. And so it's just like, that makes me want to work harder and do more. And, you know, I'm, not, I'm still, I'm thankful that I'm Have not like. Have you yet? No. no. I, I, I'm thankful that I'm not in, like, I don't like, it's not one of those things where I'm like dependent. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm working to make a car payment. You know how there's some people that are like that. We know you got ducats. We no, know, no, we know no. you got ducats. I'm, I'm just saying that, like. I didn't, I don't feel like I went outside of my means, but I still had something that was, that still like motivates me to, to do better. You know what I'm saying? Even though it's a brand new car, it's the base model. You know what I mean? It was just, and then of course the things that I want, I'll get separately, you know, as far as the leather and all the other cool stuff. And that was, that was actually a tip that the, um, finance manager of, of the dealership said he was like there's he said that even he does that on every every car that he buys he's like there's no point in buying the higher up package or anything like that unless you're going to use every single feature but if you're not just get the base and then get the things that you want and you can save tons of money doing it that way so i was like oh that's interesting and he was like hey i'll give you free leather upgrade and i was like oh tight bro you know like for example like uh, I was telling you as we were walking in that like fog lamps, I love when vehicles have like those lights down there. You know what I'm saying? The fog lights. Um, if I were to get them as part of the car package, it's like $400 to do that. And he pointed me in the direction of where to get the fog lights and they're 70 bucks. You know what I mean? So it's like, just get that, plug them in and you're good to go, and you have you have that feature and save a shitload of money. Well, and these the same rules still apply to your 97 Toyota Camry as well. Exactly. If you're listening, like, it, it is entirely within your ability to go and grab a fucking part and replace that mm-hmm. shit your damn self yep. and not have to pay somebody. Yep, yep, absolutely. And so that's the kind of stuff that I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to really take those steps to get the things that I want. Like, I want a... Uh, power inverter, you know, so I can plug my laptop up and and work in there because there's a lot power tools. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not capable with that shit. So, uh, but I want to be able to like use my laptop and and do that in the car. And uh, there was the higher up package has that available, but I looked up the thing to to have one in there. It's like thirty bucks. Yeah, they, they <laughs> you know what I mean. So, I, so I was like, what the fuck? There's no reason. To have all these other things and pay thousands of dollars, you know, for this extra feature, just go and buy this one thing and then do it yourself, you know? And you can get exactly what the fuck you want. Yeah, exactly. So um, I was very excited about that. So it was, I got a good deal and everything. And Well, I'm sure our listeners are mad excited about all our bullshit, but what what have you really got on your mind, motherfucker? I got you on my mind, baby. What about me? No, no, no. <laughs> to... To transition into the, yeah, like you were saying, to is that, did I just hear something? Was that a lighter? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, what was that sound? Um, so you and I were talking a little bit about, um, um, I, I came at you with a quote. I just said, and it was funny because I was listening to a song, and that's the name. The song was called Look But Don't Touch. It was some emo bullshit. No. It? Have you ever heard of the band Polyphia? They're some of, of the most fucking not. I talented. Swear to God, I could fight you when you say things like that. <laughs> they're some of the most talented musicians. They don't have a singer or anything like that. There's you, just I these like motherfuckers that are just shit. like shredding on like on guitar, man. It sound they mix like EDM with a little bit of like hip hop beats. What's it called? Polyphia. And there's Polyphia? Just, yeah, and there's motherfuckers just shredding on it. Like, these guys are talented musicians. Bassists, like guitarists, like everyone. It's it's hype. It's, I'm telling you the truth, man. You'll be listening to it like, damn, okay, okay. I'm dead serious. Nah, there's no there's no singing. Fuck off. <laughs> I see you looking at me, man. <coughs> but uh, they have a song called Look But Don't Touch. And um I was just that that's when I texted you and I was like, when you hear that, <clears throat> what does that mean to you? And uh so we kind of went back and forth and I thought that it would be a good um a good topic for today. You know, I think that we are and it was funny because I was actually talking to Mark about this yesterday. 
because I, I brought up this topic too, and we jumped on a couple different things with it. But that's that's typical when when we're talking with right. Mark. But uh, my, I guess, representation or definition or thoughts whenever I hear "look but don't touch" in this context is kind of how a lot of people, especially like your your loved ones or your friends or those close to you, they want you to have these huge goals. They want you to be successful. They want you to do like all kinds of great shit in life. But then when it comes time to do stuff, to do those things, you know, and to be that successful person, they start to limit you. And they're like, you know, they, they want to give you that vision. And, but when you start being different and acting different, you know, because you want to attain that goal, they're just like, what the hell? This is not you. You know, they'll start saying all kinds of things to, uh, to sort of bring you back, and I'm doing my air quotes to earth. And so well, that's kind of what I to thought. To maintain whatever, like, image they've already they pre-designated you. Exactly. to you. Yeah. And so you and I were talking, and, you know, we both agreed, and I'll let you talk about your thought of it, but we both agreed that it came down to objectification, you know. We do that to the people, unfortunately. We, we kind of do that to people that we, we love or feel very strongly uh, towards. Uh, and I think the hardest thing to do when you really care about someone to let them do their own thing. I know people don't want other people to like have a bad time or go through any shit or stress out or something like that. But you tow a very fine line when you are trying to give someone advice or inspire them and all that kind of stuff, but also limit them because you almost, it's like you think you wrote the blueprint or you have the blueprint and you want them to follow that. And I think that when you do that kind of stuff, you turn them into an object. Yeah, and 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 I think that you gotta if you're trying to be halfway noble about it, you gotta kind of see where your agenda ends and their facilitation begins. Yeah, because I I think it's it's not a stretch to say that everybody's got an agenda. That's not a pejorative thing. Yeah. Everybody does have an agenda. It might be a good one, but mm. everyone does have an agenda. So whenever you're assessing your behavior in terms of uh facilitating or giving someone advice that has to be in my opinion one of the first things that you take a good look at is where where do I stand to uh, benefit or is this going to be at my woe because I have said this or not said this or done this or not done this mm -hmm. um, we uh, yeah it's it, the, it's the thing it's, you said in the text message is actually really good you said that um, it relates to our tendencies as a species to want to keep things, people, ideas, objects, personality traits. Yeah, and, and I think that that's overwhelmingly, it's natural. And, and mm -hmm. I don't think that we should be ashamed of it. And the first part of uh, remedying this maladaptive behavior is acknowledging that it's natural for us to fucking act like that, mm -hmm. for us to objectify things and us to try and put things in boxes and... Um, hold them dear and collect them. It, yeah. it, it is in our DNA to accumulate things. It gets out of control in some instances. People hoard um, objects. I think people hoard friends, too. Yeah. You know, with the hoarding of objects, people assign arbitrary meaning to each of the objects. I think it's completely reasonable to assert that people could hoard friends in the same way. They could have this in, enormous list of people they interact with, but it's this contrived value that they've assigned that that individual. Yeah. Um, but it really does come down to objectification. And if we're trying to be noble again, we have to see where our agenda regarding that ends and where the facilitation of that entity that we care about or we say we care about begins. Mm. Hmm. So how do you think that... Yeah, well, I, I, before I ask this question, like, have you had an experience like that before? Well, yeah, honestly, like, uh, you can't help but when you really like somebody mm -hmm. uh, and you see them doing well, you can't help but think that that motherfucker is going to outgrow you. Mm -hmm. And you have to get past that point. Uh, I, I'm sure... I'm sure it's a natural thing for like parents. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that, a natural yeah. feeling. But when you have like your best friend, um, maybe going uh, a five hundred miles west to go and do his or her fucking thing, you're happy for them, but you're also like 
fuck, you know, yeah. you, you can't help but be like, well, I'm I'm losing something. Mm-hmm. I'm losing something. I'm losing this object. Uh, that translates to relationships as well. It's like, fuck, you, you get afraid that, that people are going to outgrow you. You see them being successful and you worry like, uh, am, am I going to be enough for this person mm. a, as, as they make progress yeah. and is, uh, is my, uh, worldview, my perspective on things, which I've been, uh, pretty dogmatic about without even realizing. And, and that's something that I've had to check as well as my fucking cynicism on things is, yeah. um, my, uh, my rabid fucking cynicism. It, 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 it can be toxic, especially to people that uh, you care about, and and it can be even well intentioned. Yeah. Your your fucking cynicism. If someone's a ray of sunshine around you, I'm sure you might say a thing or two to like, yeah, I'm like <laughs> to absolutely shit on their good yeah, time. Yeah, dude. Because and and I'm not trying to uh, make any excuses for myself, but I didn't really grow up in a household with very much in the way of encouragement. So even when I hear encouragement or I hear compliments or like attaboys or kudos and shit like that, it kind of comes off as contrived no matter how genuine it is. Really? I, I don't I don't receive that shit well. So I'm not really good at giving it either. Mm-hmm. I'm usually on the end of I I see something special in you. Um I know that you're capable of X, Y, and Z. Like, you're capable of lifting the fucking world. So, you don't get credit for things that I know you can do. Hmm. Like, I, I'm i I'm here to help kind of navigate pitfalls and, and yeah. analyze things. Probably too much sometimes. Yeah. Overanalyze things. But, uh, but the devil's advocacy, that, that worry... And it isn't just worry of like outgrowth. It's just worry in general. Like, if if somebody is away from your general proximity, uh, you can't act as protector. You can't act as uh somebody to immediately like rush to their rescue and pick them up in the vehicle if they if they're stranded on the side of the road or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And again, I know this is going down a rabbit hole, but. It's not just one fucking reason why we objectify people. Yeah. There there's a litany of reasons and the fact is that we do it and we can't help but do it. And I guess it's what we do with that objectification, with the knowledge that we do objectify these people as that object that you've placed some of yourself in. Yeah. When you place that bit of yourself in do you take the road of like, hey, I want to facilitate this individual as far as they can possibly fucking go? Yeah. Or do I want to hold fucking on to them? Yeah. I I definitely, I like to think that I uh, am in the camp where I want to push people as far as they can possibly go. And that's what has helped that is being a coach, um, you know, coaching uh, basketball and then also coaching football and especially football and especially the kids that I have um, where some of them may not have grown up with much, you know? And so I can really connect with them and just be like, man, you just got to whip ass. You just have to keep going no matter what it is. You just got to keep going because, and then also showing them that there's way more to life than the sport that I'm coaching them in. That's like, and so I will, I do it to the, like to the point of like, I'm so gung ho about that that I care more about like how their day at school was. You know what I'm saying? Like I care more about all that other shit than the actual game we're playing just because I want them to do so much and I want them to like whoop so much ass. But there's still that the part that also helps me kind of like not objectify them is that they go away. Like I only see them a couple hours a week. You know what I mean? I feel like it might be different if they were a little bit closer to me, like my daughter, for example. You know, um, I I fight the urge to want to, like, take control. You know what I mean? Because right. I, I can see steps ahead, and I see what all the other kids are, are doing and, and how they're just, like, you know, minds are kind of warped with a lot of the shit that they, that they think. You know what I mean? And so, um, but... Um, 
I I largely <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> God damn. I largely let her navigate herself through life. And then I'm kind of just on the I'm I'm on the outskirts, like fighting myself to not try to intervene and, you know, do anything like that because I can see very quickly just her personality. I, I can or she can be turned into an object because she is the type of person that doesn't like when people are unhappy with her. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's you have to you have to be really, really careful. That's another thing. Um, this whole look but don't touch thing. If you're dealing with someone who is a naturally born pleaser, they just want people to like them, then they will they'll they'll struggle like trying to with boundaries with boundaries with trying to fulfill their dreams and their things because they don't want you to be mad at them. Well, and and that's that's what I was gonna say. Like the the concept of nothing ventured, not, nothing gained. Mm. I think that applies pretty much across the board. Sure, here. but when I talk about uh, facilitating people and sending them off into the world and having worry associated mm-hmm. with it, that, that I can't be there to protect or I can't be there to mitigate this or what if this goes wrong or this is a possible issue, that's ingrained in um, the, I guess, a lot of civil service. Like mm-hmm. being a social worker, man, like when you have people on your caseload, you have to understand that uh, a person-centered approach mm-hmm. often entails a uh, you you facilitating somebody in such a way that that might lead to their own you know we won't say failure we'll mm-hmm. say setbacks yeah. something of that nature um, hypothetically somebody gets moved out into the community from. Um, a less than ideal housing situation yeah. or no housing situation whatsoever. And that falls apart for yeah. whatever reason. Um, whenever whenever we have people that are in places like um, personal care homes, they are tended to pretty much 24-7 and everything is set up for them. And don't get me wrong, I'm not acting like that these places are like the Taj Mahal or anything, but it's a controlled environment to mm-hmm. a degree. And you you get to know people and you get to uh, uh, identify and care about people and worry about people on a personal level. And it doesn't cross professional boundaries. I think it's totally within the bounds of professional efficacy. And in, in many ways, it's necessary for a good social worker to identify with their client. Mm-hmm. You have to. Um, but you can't help but worry about them. But you got to understand you can't send them out bubble-wrapped either. Yeah. And there have been times where I have thought, like, you know, I, I'm hypothetically, if I was dealing with, with an individual that was very um, frail from a health standpoint, mm-hmm. and they want to move out on their own, and I have the ability to, to facilitate that. But I know, given their health issues, that I very well be – will be moving them into the last place that they ever live. Mm. Um, that's an impasse that a lot of people, not like woe is me, but that's an impasse you normally don't have to go to yeah. in most jobs. And um, these are grown-ass adults, and you have to understand that if if that human being wants to take a risk on living on their own and have potential quality mm. over quantity... Who am I to stand in their fucking way? Yeah. But I'll also say for you that given that that's the type of, that's what your daily job life is like dealing with that kind of stuff. And I'm sure, I know that it's something that you carry into your, you know, your relationships with friends and and all that other kind of stuff. But I think there's something to be said with where, where the worry is coming from. I don't, I don't think that your worry comes from a place of objectification or or anything like that i feel like your worry comes from a place of love like you genuinely just care about the person you yeah know what I mean? but, but it's it's this um um what would tyler young what does he call it the savior complex oh type okay thing. so that, if we're, if that we're, could be a that could yeah be a if we're playing thing. if we're playing devil's advocate here if we want if we want to not entirely assume that yeah that i'm super noble about all this i I feel like that if 
if I have if I'm privy to the totality of information that's shared mm-hmm. amongst the rest of of my coworkers and other providers and um, people in the community in general, and uh, I I see this individual who has has some semblance of personal efficacy enough that they have been deemed capable of having their own rights, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and not to say that people that are stripped of their rights momentarily from a, a legal standpoint uh, aren't capable of personal efficacy, but uh, whenever someone has their own legal rights, it, it gets to a fucking point where you you absolutely you can think seventeen steps ahead, and you often do think seventeen steps ahead because it's what you it's your fucking job, and yeah. and it helps save things sometimes. Mm-hmm. It pulls things back from the brink of fucking oblivion a lot of times, and it it feeds that cynicism because you're like, God damn it, I was right again, I was fucking right again. Yeah, but letting go there at the end, like knowing, like seventeen steps down the road. The most likely scenario, but hoping for the best. But hoping for the best. Hoping for the fucking best, but that point of letting go, um, that's a hard thing for me to do. And as noble as it's intended, like the byproduct of it, I think it still is rooted in some way in objectification. And it's the same way again, like in uh, my friendships, my close friendships, and then in... uh, my romantic life as yeah. well. It's like, like, fuck. Like, I, I really, I, I, and especially when you're in like a partner type relationship, it becomes one unit or it's supposed to become one unit. So there's this reciprocity of information and like shared experience that is unique. Mm-hmm. So whenever somebody, one of those two people encounters a profound uh, life shift, it doesn't just happen in a vacuum. Yeah. Th- that that impacts the other individual. Absolutely. And again, w- with me thinking the way that I do, this seventeen steps ahead, I'm like, I'm like, holy shit! Like, w- w- what if this happens? Like, yeah. how how is this going to work? But ultimately, at the end of the day, the acknowledgement is that you do have to fucking let go. Let go. I want to ask you, or I want to take this on onto the macro level. And specifically, um, and we we had talked about this in the last episode that, that I was on. I think you were gone, where we were talking about everything with uh, with Ellen DeGeneres and uh, going and sitting with uh, George Bush. Right? Yeah. Now, he, hear me out on this, because I know where you stand on on George Bush, but it seemed like th- the the LGBTQ community and just a lot of Ellen supporters and stuff like that. I feel like they want the best for her and they want her to be all this stuff, but I feel like they showed that she is still an object to them when she was doing her own thing and sitting with a friend that she's had for a long time, you know, and sort of doing that. And so, you know, everyone's up in arms because they assume that Ellen is this person that thinks like them and well, does all the celebrities, same stuff like them. Dude, celebrities by virtue of, of their, their post are the pillars of objects like well, they yeah. are the like prime example mm-hmm. of social objectification yeah absolutely like and we even talked about this like when we talked when we had um adam Sherds on as a preacher you're an object to the people because you've got to perform you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like and it's a shame mm-hmm. that you know i give props to people who are in those positions because you you kind of have to like if they don't like your shit you know you're not going to be there anymore you know what i mean but I wanted to read something that Mark texted me, and um, and I, you know I just want to get your work, your thoughts on it. So <clears throat> he said, "Ellen DeGeneres is a saint. Anyone with truck about her sitting next to uh, George Bush may not be thinking about the big picture. I'm so fucking proud of her. She just owned a fright a frighteningly powerful legacy, namely the Bush legacy. Think about the beautiful teenage Bush running around hanging out with Aunt Ellen." at the super rich people annual get together. And he's talking about like the, the cowboy stadium and yeah. the thing, you know? And, uh, and he said, um, those future Bushes would not be passing slash supporting laws that are from the ice age. She's playing the long game. Ellen single-handedly, in my opinion, 
cause more acceptance and progress for the LGBT community during the Obama administration than all the keyboard warriors put together. Motherfuckers need to recognize game when she, when they see it. Ellen is a soldier. And I think that I think that there is some truck to that with respect to the fact that she's going and she has a friend that may not agree with her, you know, on on certain things. But also the fact that but if you see any of the interpretations or the stories on George Bush, you know what I'm saying? He's kind of like a kid that that like had to fulfill this thing because his whole family yeah, what I mean, was in he the, wasn't calling no motherfucking shots. Let's be real. Ex- exactly. You know what I'm saying? He he wasn't. If you see the um if you see that movie Vice, have you seen that one? Mm-hmm. Uh where they're talking about like it, it is his story. It's about Dick Cheney essentially running everything. You know what I mean? But um it's just kind of like it makes me think like and, well and George uh, George W. Bush is like, you know, he, we talked about in the last episode, he is in love with the Obamas, mainly Michelle Obama. He loves her. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's his person. And when you see that kind of stuff, it made me think, like, maybe he's, maybe he's not that person that everyone sort of saw back, you know, when he was in power. And again, everyone knew that he would like, that uh, many other people were pulling the strings for, for this guy. But I did think that it, it did send a message. And, and I think that it also exposed a lot of people at the same time because people do treat her like an image. And it's just the same thing that you said. When the, the more successful you get, people are going to, they view you in a certain light and you have to you know check these boxes and you're that person to them because I feel like it makes their life sound better or something like that or feel better. Does that make sense? Well, the thing is, is that nobody is like... The, the net impact of somebody's fucking existence is never all good or all bad, even by the most objective measures of those subjective entities of mm-hmm. good and bad. So Ellen can be uh, an advocate and have contributed, I mean, a philanthropist out the fucking wazoo and contributed to numerous causes and facilitated so many people and just seemingly a great person. <clears throat> But she can also be part of an elitist club of individuals that we're not in. And that doesn't mean that they are inherently rotten fucking folks, but that means they live a different reality than the majority of Mm -hmm. us. You and I lead a different reality than a lot of folks that I provide services for. Yeah, yeah. And there are layers upon layers of these things going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. so Ellen is near the top. You know, she's kicking it with the bushes and whoever. You get to a certain point where uh, socio-political differences are just details because you're not the one fighting the battle. Mm. You're not the fucking... It's it's immaterial to you, really, except in theory, because there's... it's George Carlin said that it's a big club and you ain't in it. That's really, I think, to me, and and again, I don't speak for the uh, any anybody but myself, but I think that's one of the big elements of it is that it it belied this alliance amongst elitist groups that transcend um, social issues that people live and fucking die over, mm. and that's where the outrage resides. Not that. That she, and yes, she is an object. She and there were certain expectations that were placed on an actual human being, yeah, who has flaws and and good qualities as well. Expectations were overwhelmingly piled on her not to be that person by a lot of folks. That's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. Um, she can be whoever the fuck she wants to be, and and kudos to her if she's unapologetically that person but i think we would be remiss to acknowledge the fact that the people that that we see smiling and and getting past their differences and things like that are not they're not the demographics of folks that are living and dying this shit yeah i agree with you there totally agree with you um and i and i don't think that i i don't think 
that the people that were angry with her even think the way you do about it. I think that I, would I like think to that think some of them kind of get. I it. I bet maybe some of them do, but I I largely think that theirs is more surface level. That she just sold out. Yeah, that she sold out. And sold then, out her community. Yeah, and and, and it just kind of sits right there. Like, I don't think that people were thinking about the things happening, you know, like when the things that you were talking on Facebook, you know, the wars and the debt and all this other kind of stuff. I doubt that the people that were angry and, you know, because I've seen people tweeting about like canceling Ellen, you know what I'm saying? Like, they aren't thinking about any of that stuff at all. It's just they they see Bush. They then make the connection of Republican. They take Republican and then connect it to anti-gay. Mm-hmm. And it just stops right there. And I think that's where the majority of people kind of that that that's where their frustration comes from. But I, I and I would have I would have more truck with it if you had um um or if, if they had the same mindset that you did, you know what I mean? If they came at it from your end. Um and the other thing too with with Bush, I think his vice yeah, Dick Cheney's daughter is gay. You know what I mean? And so I and again, and that's the thing is that they're to them, yeah, to them, it's this, it's philosophy, yeah, yeah, and to not even you and I, because you and I are insulated from a litany of these sure, issues, but sure. uh, to the folks that are facing this stuff now, it's uh, it's life and death a lot of times, it's mm-hmm. it's um, glass ceilings and personal efficacy and um, and fear and discrimination. So would you would you then say that it is a thing of objectification then or what? I, I absolutely one hundred percent feel like um, any community of individuals that seeks one individual to act in accordance with their will is objectifying that individual. Okay. Now, um, did she uh, sell out the LGBTQ community? That's not for me to say. Yeah, I mean, me it seems say. like it. Like, yeah, but like, I'm not. But my thing is, it's like I passed that shit. Like, I'm not fucking surprised. Like, yeah. this shit's been going on forever. The fact that you can have people that are on my Facebook that just love the Obamas, and don't get me wrong, I dig the Obamas for the the uh, rock star, movie star element of them. They're fucking the way they carry themselves. All of that, it's dope. It's dope. It's a good brand. But um, seeing them kicking it all cuddled, like Michelle Obama and uh, W sitting there cuddled up together and all that shit, I didn't get the same thing from that that a lot of people did, that, like, you know, we can all put away our differences. What I got from that is that the power class doesn't, even if it's well-intentioned, we can even assume the best, ladies and gentlemen, and say it's well-intentioned. Let's all just get along. They don't get it, though, because they're not the ones that are out here fucking living and dying this yeah, year. So they have the luxury of putting differences yeah. aside. Not all of us have the luxury of putting differences aside. So if we don't assume the best, then it's an active bid to keep everybody fucking passive. Mm. That makes a lot of sense, man. All right, let's switch back to the micro level again, you know, with the objectification. Do you also, I wanted to, to also ask, do you think that maybe we also objectify people when it comes to um, setting these goals and talking or talking that game of you can do whatever you want, you can be whatever you want? Would you say that people limit their loved ones and stuff like that because they were kind of too scared to achieve it themselves? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's um, that multi-generational fucking uh, the sins of our fathers type shit. Yeah is uh, I think I think some it, it comes down to the the facilitator or the um, the stifler if if that person uses their own insecurities and imbues those into the next generation because they couldn't achieve it then most of the time that's going to foster that type of mindset in that child or that younger entity whoever that vessel um, if it's if it's facilitated, if that if that person came up short, but they're like, "Look, I didn't do it, but you can. I didn't do it just so you could do it." Mm-hmm. 
um, I think that that goes a long way as well. I think that goes just as far, if not further, because it instills this this compare and contrast. Like the person that you look up to most in the world is sitting there fucking telling you, like owning it. Like I couldn't do this, but you're going to be better than me. Yeah, I think that that's a that great. That literally fun. makes me think of my dad. It's like it's a great onus. I didn't raise you to be like me. I raised you to be better. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a tangible fucking onus, and I hate to throw it back at it, but it's. It's comparable to you having your your new 2019 fly wagon out there, fly man. Wagon. It is a tangible representation yeah. of the grind. Yeah. When you have somebody sitting there being like, yo, I believe in you. I couldn't do it, but you can do it. Yeah. And they don't even have to be in your face, but just knowing that that person exists there, mm-hmm. it's a tangible representation of the grind. Yeah. But if that person is there that's constantly doubting, mm-hmm. Because they're worried that fucking eats away at you. Yeah. Even if it's well intentioned. That's and that was kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. The the things that I had in life were were they were holding me back because they were it was well intentioned, like, oh, be be reserved, do all this other kind of stuff. Like, don't take these chances. You know what I'm saying? Stay, you know, stay in the I don't want to say the I maybe stay in my lane or something like I don't know what the term is but it kept me at a certain spot mm-hmm. but doing what I did that is like okay now I have to take those chances it's almost like when when some people who get fired from their job that's where the creativity just goes wild you know what I mean um and I actually talked with Brandon about this uh we sat down and talked last uh or it was actually on Friday you know, we went and had lunch, and you know, it was his last day of work, and he's moving now, or he's probably moved now, and you know, it was fully out of Kentucky and everything like that. And I was like, "Hey, have you found work yet up there?" And he hasn't found any. And I was like, "Dude, this is the time where you can get super creative. This is the time where you don't have things holding you back because they they are thankfully in a good position where they're kind of covered, where they can." Uh, they'll be temporarily staying with his wife's, you know, with his in-laws and stuff like that. But it's like, that's, in my opinion, a time to like come up with some cool shit. You know, that's time that I don't feel that a lot of people get. And when you're constantly in grind or survival mode or something like that, like, like many of our parents were, it's hard to be a beacon of inspiration yeah, or anything. Because you're always searching for what could go wrong exactly. rather than facilitating what could go right. Exactly. Um, and and that's goddamn. I, I I will say it's it served me well in my profession. Yeah. Um, I guess you could say it served me well because I I think very analytically when it comes to like the different elements coming together, like location, um, details regarding a particular individual, uh, you know, whatever, any kind of pedantic bullshit that you can imagine that I could come up with. Yeah. Serve me motherfucking well. Mm -hmm. Um, it's helped me prepare, put contingency plans in place. And, and I like to think help, facilitate later on down the road not act as a crutch yeah like you don't the best is when they have no idea that you're even there Mm. they have no idea that you've set up this contingency plan on top of a contingency plan but god damn when you live in that environment and then you also come from like i had my mother my mother is a very like to a toxic degree a worrying human being Mm. And not an encouraging person, just yeah. just kind of negative about it, but well intentioned. So those two things culminating together has really made me a cynical motherfucker, and it's made me understand how toxic that shit can be whenever you take it out of a context where it serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it does serve a purpose. If you're tracking down fucking predators, um, you're not Mister Pie in the fucking sky. It's true. You're looking for every fucking possible gnarly thing that you that can, can. Yeah, that can kill you. <laughs> when you're trying to keep people uh, afloat out in the community, you're not just like, yeah, you got it, man, and just go on with your life. You are encouraging, but you're realistic about every fucking element of it. 
But when you take that those cobwebs and shit that you accumulate, when you take that shit home, mm-hmm. um, it it's reflected in the way you interact with other people, and it fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I, I sit there and think of like my my wife, and it's you and I have talked about it before. Like, it's there was a point where it was hard for for me to feel like she was motivating me because she came from an environment where she was kind of where she never thought that she was enough. You know what I'm saying? And so how are you to, how could I have put that on her to like be someone to like inspire me or like make me work hard and all that kind of stuff. Now, granted this entire time we've been together, it's been a process of like getting her to that point where it's like, now you can pass that uh, inspiration or, all that other kind of stuff to someone else and help someone like, you know, reach their goals without like having any sort of putting any sort of limitations on them, if you will. And so it was, it used to be when I would talk about wanting to, to do something or, or grab something or, or get something that like made me feel good about myself and we would talk about it or, you know, this could be like a new job or something like that. Let's start, there let's were call limits. them totems. Totems, okay. Yeah, when, when there was a new one, there was always a limit. There was always some kind of limit. It's like, oh yeah, I support you, but, you know what I mean? A lot of that kind of stuff would happen over and over and over. But I think over time, now, and again, the things that have changed is that she is now a nurse. She has her own career. You know what I'm saying? She doesn't have to depend on me for anything. You know what I mean? Like, she makes her own money. She has her own, you know, she's done her thing. She finally set out and did the thing that she wanted to do. And now if I have a question about something like this, it's just like, you got it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, go and do it. Like, stop talking about it. Just go and do it. And it's it's different seeing that, uh, that change kind of happen. And then also the whole, that mindset of um, sort of <clears throat> not feeling or feeling like she carries it like, uh, you don't need a, you don't need a man. You know what I'm saying? You don't need no man kind of thing. <clears throat> she now recognizes the need to work together or the importance of working together. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to go through life on your own. Um, and I think that that for, for someone like me, that is something that's crucial for me to want to attain more or or have more success in life and stuff like that. But it kind of makes it, I feel like it falls in line with what you were saying. Uh, how you grew up definitely affects how you can help other people grow. Well, and again, like, and I'm not trying to make gross comparisons to like what somebody might get upset about. Like it's entirely a term associated with like first nations people but totems psychological totems Mm -hmm. that are set up and they serve different purposes there's different there's a different mythos associated with each one of these totems that gets set up you've got facilitators you've got detractors um you've got relatively innocuous kind of novel totems that Mm -hmm. get set up in there but they're at the end of the day they it is a it's an object that you created if if nothing else in your own mind and that totem can be like a coach mm-hmm. growing up um a, a father figure a a mother um and again they can serve dual purposes too that totem can can facilitate in some ways and it can stifle in other ways mm-hmm. but the fact is, is that those looming entities are set up and they're there and we have to, we have to honor their existence at yeah, the very least. Absolutely. Because, and, and I know it's, it's much easier for a lot of people to just stay busy. Mm-hmm. Staying busy sometimes leads to not having to face all that shit that's, that's set up. That's the truth. All those fucking totems and stuff that are set up. And that moment where you stop having shit to do. You turn around and there's just a forest of totems. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And then you're overwhelmed. You're fucking overwhelmed. Yeah. You're pull. You're spread too goddamn thin. Absolutely. And I, I think that uh, really facing um, the bigger picture, and I know it's easier said than done, but paying honor to these totems 
whenever you're assessing a situation or you're trying to objectively assess your behavior in a certain situation is is a, it's just a necessary component mm-hmm. because those totems um I think that that framework in and of itself is something that we can you know you can be as introspective as you fucking want like I I think I'm this way or I think I'm that way well, fucking check out your totems check yeah. out check out the that fucking litany of of stuff that you've got looming in your backyard and think about how uh, the energy bouncing around off of that shit is affecting you. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, this isn't, this isn't to point fingers or blame anybody. No, it's this not. is acknowledgement. Yeah. This is objective fucking acknowledgement. Nobody is here to blame any goddamn body because if you're still blaming as an adult, you you've messed up. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, yeah, there, there are situations where, People are manipulated and things are entirely out of somebody else's hands. But in many cases, we allow people to treat us the way that they treat us. Yeah. And we treat people um, ways that we don't even realize that we're fucking mm-hmm. treating them that way because of all of these th- these voices in the back of our head. I know it sounds kind of creepy who it is october spooky shit but i'm but, sitting there thinking of the communist revolution and everyone's thinking halloween or so whatever <laughs> well yeah, you know <laughs> i i grew up jehovah witness so i <laughs> i covet halloween man. <laughs> but yeah the all these fucking totems that are set up in your backyard and you're you're ignoring them mm-hmm. you're 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 doing busy work you're moving forward you're you're looking for the next thing the next thing and on to the next thing. And and you know what? Nothing ever gets addressed. It's you're chasing a goddamn carrot on a stick. You can't build on a shaky fucking foundation. That's the truth, man. That's the truth. All right. I think that we've we've given this topic good enough amount of uh just attention. Um my hope is that other people can sort of see that there is um, if you want to call it a connection with what we're talking about, this whole look but don't touch mentality that people have on each other. And if you guys have any stories of people that have given you that whole look but don't touch talk, you know, they'll they'll set these or they'll tell you that you can do whatever you want. But when you start doing these things or the, when you start doing the things that it takes to be successful or to be whatever it is that you want to be, they do start to limit you sometimes. Um, if you have a story like that, reach out and let us know. But uh, before we wrap up, do you have any shameless shout-outs or anything? Uh, always shameless shout-outs uh, to Tyler Young at Grade 8 Performance. We are actually texting right now. About, are you? Like, yeah, about my workouts. And well, stuff he's like a raggedy-ass bitch, but he's, <laughs> he's good at what he does. He's yeah. honest. He's fair. He's knowledgeable. Um, yeah. And he's accomplished in a lot of different fields. So. Yeah. Again, Tyler Young, grade eight performance. If he has any room, snatch up those online coaching uh, slots, face to face if he's got it, whatever he's available for, man. If he is available, take advantage of it. Yep, sweet. Um, I don't know if I have any real shameless shout outs right now. Um, had a fantastic meal at uh, Garcia's, <laughs> not Garcia's, uh, El Mazalon. Uh, went there on Friday. Uh, I've been trying not to eat like a complete slut. And so I had their taco salad and uh, I was like, this is going to be a regular salad. No, it's a salad inside of a deep fried tortilla. And I was like, God damn it. (laughs) I was trying to be good. I know that your ass ain't lived all these years and didn't know that's what was going to fucking happen. I thought it was going to be a bowl. And then it was gonna a have some like fried fucking tortilla bowl. I, well, that's I. Did, well, I just thought that it was gonna be like a glass bowl. How old are you, man? You I'm eat used hut to just... salad. You don't know nothing about salad, bro. <laughs> I need to sit down with a diagram in about two hours and just learn you. Learn you. No, but it's because normally I'll get like the nachos or deo, where it's like a big ass plate of nachos with steak, chicken, shrimp, and like spare ribs on the top. It's fucking fire. But uh, I was like, okay, I got to take it easy. And uh, I will say this, though, that it's, um, I didn't, the, the, my wife was explaining that your mind and your body are on a little bit of a delay. Yeah. So when you eat and stuff like that, it's like some people will pound food really quick and then they kind of pass their, their, um, their body saying like, I'm full, you know what I mean? And so when I sort of slowed down, had this salad and all that kind of stuff, I was like, oh. I thought this was going to be some, like, small thing or something like that. Not very filling, but I was like, oh, 
I actually just took my time and I got full. You know what I mean? And so I thought that that was cool. It was satisfying. And it was only like $7.99. Because normally I'll be like, I'm going to get this nachos or Dale. Give me some extra fucking meat. All this other kind of stuff. Okay, so. Yeah. And then I end up spending, you know, like 14, 15 bucks on a, on a, on just myself. And so, um, but I mean, we still got a little queso, you know what I'm saying? I got that. But, but it wasn't overkill. And so I didn't feel like an absolute slut. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that. And so with these workouts with Tyler, I was actually telling him that like my pants fit looser, but my shirt feels a little tighter. And so like. I've I've gained a little weight, you know, but it's again, it's not it's obviously not in my waist, you know what I mean? Or in my just my because like I said, my pants fit looser. And so I was telling him that I still want to be able to clean up stuff because I worry or I am more concerned with having power and explosiveness and some quickness and speed. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of stuff that I really want. I still want people to be like, oh, man, you can move for for your size. You know what I mean? terrifying yeah yeah pretty much just i just <laughs> i just want to be scary and um so uh he was just but i'll say this though when i lift my left knee kind of bows in and uh it started to get a little bit straighter because i've been focusing more on posture and focusing more on form and all that other kind of stuff so i just want to give a, an, another shout out to tyler for helping me on that stuff it's been it's been highly helpful uh i'm just ready to you know, drop like maybe 20, 30 pounds by the end of the year. I feel like I can do that. Uh, just, like I said, just cleaning stuff up. Um, I'd want to give a shout out to Blackstone uh, Griddles. Have you ever have you ever cooked on one of those things? Mm-mm. Dude, I got one. Uh, pro tip, don't ever buy one brand new. It's just like buying a cast iron skillet. You know, you always get a skillet when it's seasoned. You know what I'm saying? When someone's cooked on it. So that's why you get one from your grandma or something like that or from some some relative or something so i bought a used a kindly relative yeah kindly relative preferably one that's like grossly obese so you know they cook fried food and shit like that on there but um i bought a blackstone griddle and it's it's like a big ass hibachi type thing you know where you can grill on and uh so i uh they're normally like if you buy like the complete set it's like 470 something dollars i got this shit for 125 bucks and so my friend helped me take it to my house. I put some stuff on it to treat it and clean it and all that kind of stuff, get it right. And I've been cooking on it. And this morning I made like steak and egg, uh, steak, eggs, and like cheese, like tortilla, like a breakfast burrito kind of thing. Or they're more like breakfast tacos. But um, I use those like super low carb um, uh, tortillas, you know what I mean? And so it was good, man. It was really, really, really good. Uh, and so I've been cooking on that. I'll make like burgers i'll make the first cook i did on there um my stepdaughter she wanted to do like um like a hibachi style like you, you go to like any like, like shogun shrimp and people yeah 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 so i was just like i had the i have the two spatulas and shit like that and i had rice and egg and meat and everything that and cut up vegetables and cooked it on there and i'm just excited to like entertain a group of people you know you should actually do it like you provide the stuff i'll be like chris just come over the grill I is yours. Them hats too. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can toss an egg in that hat. <laughs> you, it might not work out. But <laughs> I'll let thing. you throw crustaceans at me, though. I will absolutely let you throw throw shrimp and all sorts of shit. Oh man. So, uh, yeah. But I, if if you can, guys, go and get yourselves one of those. And I think for for the sake of prepping food, it makes it so easy. So you can cook so much food all at one time right there you have so much cooking area and it just makes it easy to like prep your meals and all that kind of stuff and so huge shout out to the blackstone grill company or whatever griddle anyway um i have nothing else uh the eagles play the cowboys tonight this is gonna be a tough game i don't have much faith in my team right now um i love them but uh, our defense is shit so uh i have a feeling that it might not go well i'm hoping for the best but I'm kind of expecting a loss today. So well, I'll, your I'm Dolphins, Dolphins fucking fan, suck, bro. So don't, I don't give a fuck what happens from <laughs> yeah. now. Usually, I just hope the whole NFL burns. Yeah, right I now. don't care what fuck happens from now. No, you should. You should be those people that I think it was like last year, especially when they'd be like, "Do you watch the NFL?" It's like, no, I just don't watch. It's not the way it used to be, and everyone will just assume that's because like, oh, it's because players kneeling and you're racist. And you're like, no, I'm I'm a Dolphins fan. And then they're like, my we ain't got Marino. <laughs> Yeah, Ricky Williams. Yeah. Whatever happened to the good old days of football? Fuck. You know where the Dolphins were good. Or not even just awful. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, appreciate you guys' attention. Um, as always, reach out if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that. That's at the Salumist on Instagram or at the Salumist Podcast. I keep forgetting this shit all the time. Um, hit us up on Facebook, uh, type the Salumist Podcast in there, or go to our website, www.thesalumist.com, add slash podcast if you want to just go directly to the episode. Uh, that's it for us. Enjoy your week. We'll follow the ass. We love you, and we are out. Peace.